0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 57 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I, as always, am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. Um, Thank God it is no longer the Arctic tundra at the moment. Uh, Yeah, 57. Wow. Here we go. Um, Yeah. So today I decided to touch on a subject that has kind of been touched on multiple other times through various conversations, and that is some of my unpopular opinions. I don't know why I felt like talking about this one, but I did. Um, see, I have a lot of uh, you know opinions, which is kind of how the, the name of this podcast got, how I got the name of this podcast, because I usually have some interesting opinions, and I have the tendency for some reason on when I really feel something, I'll say I stand strong on it. So, um, I think I might have talked about this before, but anyways. Um... So yeah, today I'm going to talk about some of those unpopular opinions um, that sometimes do get me a little bit of heat with other pop culture fans. Um, Yeah, once again, I you know you know these are just my opinions, and I I fully acknowledge that I am in the minority on some of them. So I guess let's let's get this started, huh? Okay, so, for my first unpopular opinion I am going to be tackling today, um, I get a lot of heat for this, and I, you know, whatever. And that is, I believe that Final Fantasy VII is a boring game. I do not think it's good. Um, I think the character, some of the character models are pretty cool. Um, Sephiroth is definitely an awesome character, but that game is boring. It is dull. It is. It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, and this has gotten me a lot of, like, you know, a lot of flack from people because you know, because Final Fantasy VII has a very diehard community, and I'm really happy it does. I'm happy it found an audience, but to me, it's just bad. Um, I don't like the character. Like the. I remember playing it like when it first came out on PlayStation One. Um, on the PS1, I remember a friend's dad rented it and we played it for a little bit and I'm just like, the characters were boring. They didn't, you know, like, I shouldn't say boring. The characters just how to best describe it. To me, okay, I, I, okay. Admittedly, I didn't play a whole lot of it. I'll always give it, but I have watched playthroughs of it, and I do know the story of it. And it just like the characters just seem so bland to me compared to RPGs that really knew it, seemed like they knew what they were doing. Which is a shame because like I do like games in the Final Fantasy series. Like I really liked Nine. Um, I think Eight had some interesting characters, even though I still didn't even get into Eight. Um, I think, in fact, come to think, I think the only Final Fantasy games I've ever played, like, even halfway through would be, what is it, Final Fantasy, it was Final Fantasy 2 here, but it was Final Fantasy 4 in Japan, I believe it was, um, and I played that one when they did, like, a, a, re, a re-release of, on PS1, and it was, one disc was Final Fantasy 2 two and the other or four, two or four, whichever way you want to look at it. And the other one was Chrono Trigger. And I played a good chunk of Final Fantasy four on that one. Um, but Final Fantasy seven, which was like my first experience with Final Fantasy games. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't find cloud in any way gripping. I didn't feel, find the story that it was presenting very interesting. Um, and while I enjoy the animation of Advent, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, the like movie sequel to the game, I didn't think it was a good story either. Um, I thought it had some amazing set pieces, and maybe that's what people really find great about Final Fantasy VII is maybe the set pieces are enough to get people through. Maybe other people find you know the characters more enthralling than I do I just it just never sp- spoke to me um so yeah that I guess that's my first unpopular opinion that I'm gonna tackle today is just Final Fantasy 7 isn't a good game to me um yeah it just it just never never clicked with me and I I don't understand the the love it gets but once again I'm I'm happy it has that love because you know for the sheer amount of time and money that is put into making a game, I'm really glad it finds an odd they find audiences. Cause I hate to think all that work goes, you know, goes into you know, gets put into something and then it just gets, you know, ignored. Um so yeah, I mean it's why is it so hard for me to put a finger on exactly everything about that game that <laughs> just I mean given I will. I will give credit to one thing. I am intrigued to play the remake where they make it more Kingdom Hearts combat style. But I still haven't checked it out. I mean, I've got it. I got it on my PlayStation PS Five, but I just never. I just haven't downloaded it and tried it yet. I, I hope it will because I, I want to see. I want to see what other people see in it. Um, you know, just just like I do with me, with music. I always I am mean, like. I want to see what other people see in it. But at the same time I also acknowledge it's okay to say something's just not for me. Um so yeah, so that that is my first unpopular opinion. Final Fantasy VII, to me is not a good game. Uh <laughs> Okay, I I might have tackled that like this this one might have come up in conversations at different points in time on this podcast. But I'm not 100% sure on that one. But I, I'm going to say it here. And and I will stand strong on my feelings on this. And that's that Batman Begins is the best of the Batman Nolan Batman movies. Because to me, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises aren't Batman movies. They are crime thrillers that just happen to have Batman in them. Um, the Batman Begins is the only true Batman movie Christopher Nolan made. Because I really feel like if you if you changed, you took Batman out of Dark Knight and you changed Joker to some random psychopath, it's the same movie. It doesn't change anything. It is just a crime thriller with a psychopath, that, like uh, you know, a maniacal psychopath is your villain, and your bargain basement hero. Because I really, I also just feel like Batman just doesn't come across in the second two. He he doesn't come across as Batman to me anymore. He's just a generic person who happens to be wearing a costume. Um, that said, I still enjoy the movies. Um, I don't think that Heath Ledger would have won an Oscar if he hadn't passed away. Um, cause I, I really kind of feel like his, even his Joker, while it's, he is a great performer in that movie, I don't think he stands out. I feel that Two-Face really is the better villain in that movie. He's way more, um, compelling as that character that's, you know, wants to do right, but then kind of gets corrupted by the evil around him. You know, like it, where, you know. What's what's the saying? You know, you stare long enough into the darkness, the darkness stares back into you, or whatever. Um, and I think that he makes a way more compelling villain than Heath Ledger's Joker ever does. Um, still a shame that you know that that role consumed Heath Ledger to the point that he you know he essentially killed himself, you know, because of it. But. Yeah, Batman Begins is the only true Batman movie in that franchise to me. Um, I mean, I guess there's points, I guess, in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises where it feels somewhat Batman-ish. But I'd even go so far to say that the Batman with Robert Pattinson is a better Batman movie than Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises. And I have my issues with with the the batman as well because I feel like that movie goes a little longer than it needs to but that's another stub another subject um yeah I don't know maybe it's the fact like the origin was done so well in batman begins and everything still feels very batman like you know the he is the conflicted kid you know he you know Christian Bale plays a really good conflicted, uh, Bruce Wayne, you know, trying to figure out, trying to understand the, you know, the, the criminal lifestyle or whatever by traveling the world and essentially stealing from himself. But, um, and then, you know, like honing himself and then he, he, he finds the, the league of shadows and, you know, sees a way he can use those things to kind of like better his, his city and stop this corruption or try to stop the corruption. That's like festering at the heart of it. Um, and it, it doesn't hurt that Liam Neeson just plays an awesome race. Al of course, yeah, you always have the argument of like, was he always Ray's Ra- Ra- Al or was he, did he just take the name after the original one passed or, you know, I tend to believe that he was always the true, you know, the D raish Al Ghul, but he just used the Ken Watanabe character as like a figurehead to disguise his real position kind of thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it even comes down to the fact, like, you know, I think, I don't think he ever, well, he might make a comment to Catwoman in Dark Knight Rises about like, you know, no guns. Um, But yeah, it's like, you know, he, in, in Batman Begins, I feel like it's just the only one that Nolan truly captured the full Batman experience. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I like those other two movies. I just feel like, you know, you could, like I said, I feel like you could take Batman out of that movie and it's the same movie. Um... Which is weird because I like the Indiana Jones movies, but if you take Indiana Jones out of those movies, nothing plays any differently. Um, and I love the joke about that kind of stuff. Sorry, I had to get a drink there. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess what Nolan did is awesome, and he did bring Batman to a, a you know back to a, a higher level, so to speak, in in movies. Cause I mean, let's face it. Everybody figured Batman was dead after Batman, Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I feel like there's so many dropped, so much dropped potential or lost potential in the second and third ones of those. Like part of it being, you know, like why was Christopher Nolan okay with that voice that Christian Bale was doing as Batman because it it gets ridiculous. I mean, it gets worse as the movies go on given, but I don't know. Like you know, I will I will always just feel to me the first The Batman Begins is the best of the Nolan Batman movies. Uh Yeah, I I really feel like that movie doesn't get I feel like Dark Knight wouldn't be as iconic as it was if Christian Bale hadn't passed away, and there's times where I feel like one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time, the crow, I really feel sometimes that movie might not have become what it became. Would it find as big of an audience if Brandon Lee didn't die filming it so yeah that's i mean if if you if you like you you think the Dark Knight is the best one, I'm happy for you just to me not as good as Batman begins <clears throat> okay moving forward um yeah let's go ahead and get this one out of the way as well uh, Walking Dead comics and TV show crap they're they're not good at all um I remember I bought the compendium. Of the comics when it for like when people first started really really raving about, it. I think it was just before the show was airing. Um, I finally read like got the comics and I got the companion, which was like the first like thirty five or forty issues. I know it ends with them like with the end of the them holding up in the prison or excuse me prison. Um, and when I first read it, I was like, oh my god, this is really really good. You know the characters are. Building. But by the end of that compendium, you really see that it's just this cycle. They, you know, the group finds a place to hold up that they think is safe. They're safe for a couple weeks. And then something happens, someone betrays them or a new evil or, uh, you know, a group of cannibals shows up or, you know, something happens and breaks a sanctity. Therefore, they have to fight for a few Someone does, uh, you know, two or three people die and they move on to the next settlement. It just, it was like, and I didn't see the patterns the first time I read it because I was so kind of you know, enthralled with it. But then it's like, the more I started reading it, the more I'm like, okay, no. And then like, I remember I tried to go back and read it thinking like, man, did I just, what? what did I, you know, what am I, what do I need to read again here? So I reread through it and it's like, I got bored to tears within issues of restarting it because it's like when it was the first read it, or maybe it, the best way to put it is the book was decent, but it just has no rereadability. It's just a stock story. Um, and then to hear like, you know, Robert, all of Robert Kirkman's comments about, oh, well, yeah, I wanted to write a, a zombie story that never ended. Well the problem is that's where all the talent comes from. You have to end it well. Um and th- this this being said by a person who's a huge Stephen King fan and freely admits that a lot of Stephen King's books drop the ball at the end. Like they're really really good books but the endings always seem to kind of have something a little wonky about them. But Robert Kirkman just is not a great writer. I don't I I don't see the like and and trying to read some of his other stuff, like I don't see the talent I don't see as much talent as a lot of people do. um maybe he's just not for me like you know i can I can freely admit that there are there are art there are probably writers and artists that I like that other other comic readers are like i you know not for me, and that's fine, but i'm you know from my personal opinion, all the Walking Dead stuff is just trash um i don't want to say trash cuz that that means it has like no value but just not good the you know they're the the repetitive cycle of the stories um and like really the further you go the less the characters really have any kind of like anything to really grab onto for me They just become very stock characters. Um, given I've never read the Negan stuff and I kind of want to like, I've almost wanted to try to push through just to get through the Negan stuff to see if that maybe changes my mind because I think that Negan character sounds kind of cool, but at the same time I don't, I can't bring myself to reread that stuff and then getting to the TV show. I remember when they announced the TV show, um, Tony and I were really excited about it, and we decided we were going to like as the episodes came out. Since I, we were on weird schedules, it was like one day a week we'd get together and we'd watch the the latest episode. And I think we got through the first season, and I was kind of okay with it. It was it was decent. It was different, which I kind of liked. And I and they did some some weird. They made some weird choices in it, but it, it was working. <laughs> And you get to the second season, and yes, the second season was hurt because it had to go on a mid-season hiatus because of a writer's—I stri- can't remember the writer or an actor strike—but there was a strike going on in Hollywood uh, at that po- around that point in time. And so, the second season, I remember like the whole a whole big chunk of that second season, the first half of that second season is devoted around the little girl going missing and the mother looking for the little girl. And then they get to, uh, was it Herschel's? Is that the name guy's name? Herschel. I think that's his name. Herschel's farm. And I saw where it was going to go before it went there that, you know, you were going to find out that this little girl that Rick was trying, I think it was Rick was trying to protect and she ran away from him is like, has been in the barn this whole time. And she's a zombie. And it just, it was such a bad place to have to end this. And I kind of wonder, like, I have gone back and watched more episodes past that. And I think it has little moments that worked. But it's still just, it's like, you know, you could, when when Frank Darabont was there, I, I felt like there was really someone trying to make it a compelling show. And I remember, I think he left after the second season and you could feel the loss of him. And you could definitely tell that the the cast felt differently about the show. To me, it's like you could just see it in the cast like it wasn't the same show without him running the show anymore. And that's taking nothing away from, um, oh God, is it Greg Nicotero, I believe, was the the special effects artist that took over running a lot of the show and I have like, I love his special effects and I think he's done some other stuff writing wise and directing wise. It's really good, but that show just kind of fell into this blah position and how it got to me, how it got like seven or eight seasons, however many seasons it got plus all the spinoffs just doesn't make sense. I think it was this culture swell that people didn't want to admit they didn't like, So it got a huge following, but that's it. That's it. That's my opinion. I, I, I freely admit that, you know, it was, it, it just never worked. It didn't work for me. And I'm, but once again, there are the points that like, I'm happy that it had an audience, but I even think like looking at like kind of the way it's aged to some people, I have a feeling people are going to go back and look at it and be like, "Oh yeah, this isn't as good as I thought it was." The rose-colored glasses are going to come off this one. I have a feeling, but it's, I think it's going to take some time before people really do. Because I mean, we have still got spinoffs showing up, which I still do not understand. Um, and it's even it's even harder to believe the fact like that this work sh- the show doesn't work for me when some of the actors involved should be something that drive me to it like uh freaking Norman Re- I love Norman Reedus I love the Boondock Saints movies I love you know I think um oh god uh and Andrew Lincoln I believe is the man that plays Rick I think he's a great actor but I don't think he shows it in The Walking Dead uh I can never remember the actress's name that plays Michonne, but I think she is an amazing actress. I think she's shown that even further with her work in the Marvel universe as a uh, in the Black Panther, Black Panther films. She's an amazing actress, but I just don't feel that there was enough work done in the walking dead to really give the, the, the actors that I like any kind of, substance to work with um so yeah that's that that, that's my feelings on The Walking Dead I think it's I think it's a a a repetitive storyline that doesn't have any kind of ability to hold up in my personal opinion and I, I I am intrigued to see down the line if the following it has Does hold or if it becomes just another show lost to time where, you know, like people are like, oh yeah, I I remember that show, but it wasn't good in hindsight. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see on the, the time will tell on that one on the, uh, like how, how well it holds up will be something very interesting to me in the long run. Um, Ooh, okay. Here we go. Um, this next one, I am not a huge Zack Snyder fan, especially his DC stuff. I think he was horrible for DC. I think Three Hundred is a beautiful movie, but doesn't really—it hasn't really aged well to me. Like, there's aspects of that movie that, like I remember watching, thinking, like, "Oh my God, this, am- this movie is amazing." I rewatched it a couple times, you know. Within the last couple of years. And I'm like, no, this movie, while visually beautiful, not good. Um, I think Watchmen or Watchmen was like really well done. Yeah, there's some points you could make fun of. Like the uh, the sex scene on the, the airship um, set to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Uh, or... You know, and and, and some other aspects of it just, you know, like, aren't really perfect. But I think that's the best adaptation you're ever going to get in on screen, basically, minus, like, an animated version. If somebody ever did an animated one, I think they could do it better. But, no, I I think Watchmen was good. I think his Dawn of the Dead was good. But now we're getting to my... My unpopular opinion has to do with Zack Snyder. And that's it. I think Sucker Punch is a way better movie than people give it credit for. Yes, it is a it is very disjointed at points. And it is basically a, a series of like music video vignettes in a way. But if you watch that movie and you truly pay attention to it, you can gather the story of it. And it's an interesting story. And, but I, by no means am I saying it's a perfect movie. I will get that out of the way. I will not say it's a perfect, movie, but I think it's way better than a lot of people give it credit for. Visually, it is beautiful. I think it's acted really well, especially considering you know, like a lot of the cast is you know up and coming actresses that really hadn't been anywhere. I mean, if you look back at that cast, it's actually pretty amazing. I mean, you know, Carlo Gugino, uh, Emily Browning. Uh, Jenna Malone. Uh, oh, God. I just. Uh, John Hamm has a really small part in it. Um, God, what? Oscar Isaacs. That's the one I was trying to think of. Oscar Isaacs plays a really good slimy dirt bag in the movie. I mean, it is. It is way. Be, to me, it is way better than, it, than a lot of people give it credit for. But I don't fault people for not giving it a chance because it is. To an extent, it is style over substance, um, but I like the movie. I think it's it was really well done, and I think it's it's proof to me that movie is proof to me that Zack Snyder as like a director of photography is amazing. Like he has an idea of how to film things. But as a director, he or as a writer, he needs to stay away from, he needs to put the pen down. Because I don't think he's the greatest writer is the problem. Um, you give him something with a good source material, like 300, like uh, Watchmen. I think that's where he's going to stand out. But when you let him write it himself, that's where things fall apart. Man of Steel, beautiful movie had some great concepts when he was following actual lore. It's when he branched away from the lore that he started dropping the ball. Um Batman v Superman was a train wreck. I will never think any 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 way otherwise on that one. Which is a shame cuz I think that, you know Batman v Superman and Justice League really got like really did uh both Henry Cavill and um Ben Affleck dirty because I think that Henry Cavill was playing a really good Superman minus the choice, minus some of the shit that was put on page for him by Zack Snyder. Same with Ben Affleck. I think he was a really good Bruce Wayne. I think he was a decent Batman. And if he had good writing team around him, I think it could have been, if there was a better writing for that Batman, I think he would be a little more respected as Batman. Um, so yeah, this this like I said, this one I know like a lot of people hate Sucker Punch. Me, I have fun with it. I watch it. I don't watch it regularly, but I can still watch it. I own it. I have fun with it every time. I think every time I watch it, I find something a little bit more about it. To the point that I've I've watched it enough that I've really really put the story together. And maybe that's the problem to some people is it's not. It's not straightforward with the story. It's a, you know, because of the what, like, you know, the the world within a world within a world kind of thing going on. It does make it hard to follow exactly what's going on sometimes. But that's, you know, that's the same thing with Donnie Darko and a lot of people love Donnie Darko even though I think I and I I I own it on I think DVD because I checked it out. And the first time I watched that one, I really liked it. But then I watched it again, and I'm like, okay, it just doesn't hold up to repeat viewings to me, where I know there's people that watch it and analyze it. Um, but to me, like maybe, maybe that's the difference is I have fun with Sucker Punch to the point that I'm willing to watch it again and analyze a little bit more to figure out, you know, kind of the the true the true process of what's going on in that movie. <clears throat> okay. Let's see where to go next. Um okay, we'll we'll go we'll go with this one. Um I liked the end of The Modern Battlestar Galactica. Um I know a lot of people really loved that show and then but they felt it drop the ball at the you know in the final episode. Um i really like that show completely beginning to end um i think the only mistake made on that show was um and even the writers admit it was the opening credits where it says you know the the cylons had a plan and really there was no plan like and, and it became very clear if you really pay attention to the show their plan makes no sense you know um up until, like, you know, to the point that like, they made the, the what, the TV show, or not the TV show, the, um, the movie called Battlestar Galactica The Plan. And I watched it, like, finally, we're going to get some kind of explanation. No, it just kind of shows them running around. You know, it shows more behind-the-scenes stuff from the entire show to kind of break down what these Cylons were doing in the background. And it really didn't help anything, but... And this means a lot, actually, saying that I really liked the way Battlestar Galactica wrapped up because I'm usually, when you put religion, like, when you make religion, like, at the forefront of, um, of stories, I usually get bothered by that because I'm not a huge fan of organized religion. So the fact that, like, basically Battlestar Galactica, at a certain point, it makes the veer to... Really, it's kind of a battle of... The Cylons believing in one true God where um the humans kind of they're they're more in the the belief system of the uh polytheism polytheism or however you say the word, it's like multiple gods. Um but I do kind of like some of the way like the way they wrapped up some of the stuff. I know a lot of people got bothered by The ending to Starbucks character, which, as a huge Katie Sackhoff fan, I freely admit, was I a little bummed that, you know, with, to an extent, the way they wrapped her character up? Yes. But, at the same time, like, after it was all said and done, I watched it the first time, I was a little bothered the first time. The second and third times I've watched through Battlestar Galactica, I've come to realize that that character was actually probably one of the more nuanced characters towards the end of that show to the point that like there is that sequence you know when they get to earth um and they you know she's talking to apollo and she makes the comment about i just you know just remember me or whatever and he's got his back to her and he says you know how could i ever forget you and he turns around and she's gone and everything that she does like from was it the end of season three where uh, you know, spoiler alert, where she dies. Um, and then she comes, like... Or no, I think it's like midway through Season 3 she dies. And then at the end of Season 3 she comes... Like, she mysteriously shows back up. Well, just before she dies in the the, the episode she dies in... They lay the groundwork for who she's going to be. Because she goes to the, the seer or whatever and they they give her the... She like they have her pick like this totem thing and she picks one and she's like, oh, that's so and so. And it's like an angel guaranteed to guide travelers to their destination. So they set the groundwork that basically I don't think she I think she was dead. She was basically just a ghost or an angel basically designed to be the person to get them to their ultimate goal to move, you know move the world forward so to move humanity forward so to speak um it's a little i think given I'll, i'll i'll admit it's a little bit uh choppy when you get to the point you know they they get to earth and it's uh um and it's like during like almost like primordial man times they make reference like you know they see some like cavemen basically and that was a little bit weird but I don't know. Like the more the more I watch the show, the more I've liked it, and I had no issues with anything they did in the fine the final uh, finale of that series. I think everything, like all the characters, kept to who they were, and that was important to me. You know, they didn't have any characters really like change. You know, drastically, suddenly change who and what they were about, um, just to to fit a narrative they were trying to tell they really made the narrative be told by these characters being always being who they are like no characters i mean yes you do have character arcs as far as like maybe learning more about themselves or facing um like facing their you know what's what's ref- uh god i'm losing words right now Having their challenge, their beliefs challenged, or something along those lines, it's really interesting. But the characters, on the whole, don't really have have to like change much for the story to be what it is, and I liked that. Um, and I feel like all the characters had a, a status. Well, there were a couple characters done dirty by that final season. Never mind, because like uh, I, I, I was kind of upset with how Anders ended up, but. At the same time, when he was first introduced, he was kind of a cool character. And I think his character kind of became kind of like almost not needed at points. So I guess his 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 wrap-up was kind of, you know, it was kind of okay just because he was such a character that kind of felt... You know, felt like he wasn't. It, he he didn't really serve a a, dr- a great purpose for the most part. Um, so yeah, I will I will go on the record and say that Battlestar Galacta has. Actually, I, w- I would even go so far as to say it has one of my favorite endings in modern TV shows. And that's saying a lot because there's been a lot of shows that I thought were really good and just dropped the ball on the last, you know, like really dropped it on the last hurdle. Um, so okay, yeah, so there. I guess that that one could, I guess, tie in, straight into another TV show that I will I will defend minus a couple a couple moments here and there, and that's that. Smallville is a is probably one of the best. Superman origin stories ever told yes the first season is very much CW freak uh, freak of the week kind of uh, storytelling it doesn't do the overarching story as much I mean it does but it it's really kind of tentative because it was kind of more it it felt more like it was a um, like a proof of concept but like season two onward up until season seven are really really strong um and then season eight was kind of a, a mess i feel because after season seven the original show left the show and the people that took over seemed like with season eight they just didn't know what they wanted to do um they brought in the Doomsday storyline, but it wasn't a particularly good interpretation of the Doomsday storyline. Uh, by the end of season eight, they had killed off characters that were should have been important, and they realized they had made that mistake. So they tried to kind of like retcon it in really sloppy ways. So like season eight was probably the worst the show was because it just felt directionless and they made some decisions that they then had to fix in season nine and season 10 that really had some sloppy fixes because like uh, uh in season eight they kill off uh jimmy olsen um because because they could i guess maybe they wanted the shock value um, Cause yeah, he gets killed by not Doomsday, but Doomsday's human host, which was another kind of weird, uh, weird change to make. Like have Doomsday be this 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 creature within a human host, so to speak. Um, they don't really satisfactorily explain that either, considering Doomsday was always kind of like a genetically created monster to stop Kryptonians and all this kind of stuff from what I remember of the true doomsday origin where this, it's like, he's like a paramedic played by a really good actor, Sam Witwer. I think he's a great, I think he's a great actor who plays the character, but they really drop it books. It's like, he's a paramedic, but then he like has this old, like essentially he's doomsday is within him. So I can't remember what triggers it, but like there's something that'll trigger it. That'll like bring doomsday out of him. So to speak um yeah it's just it's season eight was a jumbled mess and season nine they had to try to fix a lot of that um and by season 10 i feel like they really got it back on track just in time to wrap it up even if some aspects of season 10 were still like you know like i i don't i don't agree with their their decision to do dark side i thought dark side was kind of a a weird choice for the final like overarching villain of a season. Especially when, you know, if you're gonna do Darkseid, commit to doing him. Don't just do like a you know, they they kind of pulled a similar thing to like the way Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer did for Galactus, where it's like they're not giving him a true form really. It's kind of more of this from what I remember, Dark Side is pretty much just like this shadow creature with red glowing eyes that can like, burst into a, a group of crows or something like that. Um, even though they do find a way to use all this stuff to retcon uh, Lex Luthor back into continuity because he dies in one of the, se- the end of one of the seasons. And then, yeah, they find a way to bring him back and explain why he wouldn't remember who Clark Kent is, um, because that at the, at the heart of Smallville for the first seven seasons, at least for the most part, the greatest storylines were the stories of Clark and Lex being good friends and the inevitable rift that's going to form because Clark has that secret. And Lex kind of always suspects there's something more there, but can't, uh, can't over like put it together and he wants to be respectful of Clark and not like be pushy and investigate into it. But there's that part of him that has to know kind of thing. Um, so yeah, to me, like majority of Smallville is a really great show. There's the one season that's a hard watch, but other than that, I think it's a great show and I think it's a really good, uh, a really good take on you know the the Superman origin story, you know showing him getting his uh like his powers a little bit at a time and understand you know trying to understand who he is and battle with the the idea that there is you know he is a a, a man of two worlds so to speak and really kind of fight with you know like you know with himself on some aspects like you know especially when you get to. The inevitable storyline of his dad passing away, you know, he has to, the, that, the episode where they finally do the, the Jonathan Kent death was really well done to me, especially the way they handled it. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, I remember it's like Lana gets killed early in the season who at that point in time, they're still very much pushing the Lana Lang Clark Kent relationship, even though the much hotter, Erica Durant was was there by that time playing Lois Lane. And I'm sorry, Lois Lane is the better choice. Um, but he uh she I think she dies in like a car wreck. And so he makes a deal with like I wanna say it's the 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 Jor-El in the Fortress of Solitude that basically he wants to get the day back so he can save Lana. And he is warned that this will have repercussions, you know, because you, you know, you, you, we're giving back a life, we're going to have to take another life. And he doesn't really think of those repercussions. So, yeah, he goes back, he saves Lana, but his dad dies of the heart attack at the end. And that's the way it should be. Because the beauty of. Like, to me, where the stories of Superman really shine is when he's battling something with all the powers he has, he has no power to save. So that's why, like, you know, the way they killed Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel, where it's just like, oh no, he tells his son not to come out and grab him and just gets killed by a tornado. That's something Clark could have stopped. His mom could have like run frickin' interference, and he could have gotten in there, gotten his dad, and gotten him back, without without a doubt, or just run out there, grabbed his dad, and they could have faked getting somewhere else. You know, where if his dad, if Jonathan Kent dies of a heart attack, that's something even Superman, all the powers he has, he has no ability to stop the aging of 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 a human, you know, or, or of mankind, and that's where superman's best stories are told where he's battling with that thing that even with all his powers there are things he is powerless against um and the biggest one is the mortality of 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 mankind i mean there's nothing you can do to stop the flow of time unless you watch the original christopher even movie, which which apparently states that you can Fly around the, the Earth really fast in alternate direction and reverse the flow of time by reversing the rotation of Earth, which is probably best not to think about too much. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see what other ones do I have on here? Um, you know that one I already I already talked about. I'll, I'll brush on it real quick. Um, I think I made this statement when I did my Mass Effect trilogy episodes. Um I actually liked the even the original Mass Effect 3 ending. I had I didn't have the biggest problem with. Um was it a perfect ending? No. Were there things they could have made a lot clearer? Yes. But I I always feel that the log- like even playing the second one no, you know, they they made it very clear when they made the second one that there was going to be a third one. There was going they were going to wrap it up with a trilogy. But I always felt that the logical ending for Shepherd, Commander Shepherd, was to die, you know, die in the, the ultimate sacrifice. That would have been that was the best ending they could give him. Yes, could they have done the, the typical hero ending of, you know, he stops the threat and he goes off and lives with his love, you know, his loved ones and is goes on to be this, this hero renowned. Yes, you could do that, but that's such a played out story. So to do the whole thing of, you know, if you choose the ending that way, at least, you know, you, you jump into the given. Jumping into a light and just just being dispersed was kind of lame, but the idea of it was always, was what worked for me. You know, the, the idea that, you know, he makes the ultimate sacrifice to save... The entire universe. Not even just humans. He did it to save everyone. Including the very creatures he's trying to stop in a way. Because by doing it, he makes everything the same. Like, you know, yes. It's it's a little bit weird. Because yes, he jumps into it. And by doing so, it basically makes everything part organic, part cybernetic or whatever. uh, Mechanical. Thus making nothing for the reapers to have to fight against so to speak um but that said am i intrigued to see what they do with the you know announced but had no no news of for a while mass effect 4 which is supposed to bring Shepard back somehow um which i don't care what they do with that game it it, uh, I hate to say these words, but I don't know how it can get much worse than Andromeda. Because that game was just not great. Um, they totally dropped the ball with that one. But no, I, I feel Mass Effect 3 has has a satisfactory ending for the story they were telling. Um, could they have done things better? Probably. Um, could you have had that that you know that ultimate sacrifice to save mankind be something a little more impactful? Definitely. But for the story of Shepard, I feel like it was a very good I feel like it was a really good ending for the story they were telling. Once again not perfect, but I don't think there's I don't think there's such thing as perfection. I do not believe in the idea of perfection. There's always something that's going to drag something out. Even my favorite movies have some flaw somewhere, I'm pretty sure if I really sit down and think about them. So yeah, so Mass Effect 3 not as bad as some people are making given was it completely made better by the Citadel DLC and the what I can't remember what they called the the free patch they downloaded that just basically added more to the end cut scene. Um those things definitely made the ending to 3 better, but I wasn't I wasn't too bothered by the ending in in its original release. I thought it was the it, I thought it was a satisfactory ending. Like I said, not perfect, I would never say it was a perfect ending, but it was a satisfactory ending to me. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably where I'm going to wrap it up today because the last one I, uh, I was going to put on here, I don't know if I want to put out there right now because um, I kind of want to do some research on that one. I wrote it down and this is this one's been workshop for a while now. So I put it out there and it's, But I need to do some research before I go for it. So I, you might get another who knows down the line, you might get another episode of me just airing my unpopular opinions. Cause I probably got a lot more if I think about it so that I will say, thank you for listening. Thanks to everybody who supports me in this glorious adventure of mine. That is this podcast. Um, if you want to get a hold of me and tell me how bad my unpopular opinions are or you want to tell me that I'm, you know, you want to agree with me, I'd be shocked if I get any of those, but you can reach me at stanstrongcast at gmail.com. Uh, with that, I guess I will see you talk to you in two weeks. Bye bye.